so I went in the Shakshisi uh, to deploy and retrieve some um, hydrophones. The hydrophone is the, uh, the instrument that we use to record sounds underwater. So it's like a microphone, but it's, it's, uh, it's designed to go underwater. Hi, my name is uh, Eloise Framoui. I'm a bioacoustician, currently a postdoctoral research associate with the UCAR in Colorado in support of NOAA Fisheries. Um, and I'm currently working at the Southeast Fisheries Science Center in Miami, in the US. Hi, and welcome or welcome back to Below the Tide podcast. My name is Liz and I am your host. I know it has been a hot minute since the last episode. I just needed a couple of weeks to get things in order, spend time with my family, and just kind of reset myself. So I'm really stoked to have this episode coming to you. We are talking about seals and sea lions with Eloise, and it is such a thrilling episode. I think that you're really going to enjoy it. Like with all of my episodes, I have resources. So. That means that if you're more of a visual learner or you want to look at definitions of some of the terms we talk about, if you want to see some pictures, some maps, that kind of thing, I would recommend checking out my Instagram page at Below the Tide Pod. Or I also am starting to post them on Twitter at the same time. So same handles at Below the Tide Pod. And that way you can see all those, you can share them, that kind of thing. And if you wouldn't mind, I would love if you could hit follow or subscribe wherever you're listening, leave a review. It really does mean a lot. I love seeing interactions with my audience and I really like to see where people are listening from, so that kind of thing. And other than that, we are going to jump right into it. Do you wanna kind of give us an intro to how you got to where you are today. You're a postdoctoral fellow and kind of where did you start? What got you into marine biology? Sure. So as I said, I'm a bioacoustician, but my background is actually in toxicology. So I will need to explain my uh, curious path. So, <laughs> so uh, I'm French, as you can tell by my accent. So I was born and raised in France. And during my childhood, I was living not too far from the sea, from the ocean, and mm -hmm. I was watching some robotcasted TV series called um, The Undersea, World of Jack Cousteau and the Jack Cousteau Odyssey. And since I'm a kid, I was always fascinated by the marine environment and the marine organism because of those uh, documentary television series with the um, marine explorer Jack Cousteau. So I decided to do a bachelor in marine biology at the University of La Rochelle in France. Then I had the opportunity to do a status exchange in Quebec, so in Canada, for the mm -hmm. first year of my master in oceanography. Um, because I like my Quebec experience, I, because it was so diverse, uh, I was studying biology, toxicology, underwater acoustics, I was doing some field work. You know, I actually decided to finish my master there. And later, my co-supervisor, when I was done with my master, 
suggested to pursue a PhD in marine toxicology in Montreal. So I went there and I studied the impact of contaminants on seals immune system. Uh, for my um, PhD, I was doing a lot of field work. I was catching and sampling some mover and pup harbor, harp and gray seals for my PhD studies. And at the end of my PhD, I moved to Halifax and in parallel of writing my thesis, I started to do some contracts for an underwater acoustic consulting company there uh, called JASCO Applied Sciences because I have also an underwater acoustic experience gained during my master. So I was doing some uh, manual review of passive acoustic monitoring data from the Arctic for these uh, contracts. And then I moved to Victoria to start a postdoc in marine toxicology again at DFO, Fisheries and Oceans Canada. And I was turning the seals and belugas there. But in parallel, I was continuing to do some contracts huh, for JASCO because JASCO has also an office in BC. And so it allowed me to develop my knowledge in sounds produced by marine mammals, notably the Arctic seals. At the end of my postdoc, uh, JASCO offered me a full-time position as a project scientist slash bioacoustician. And so I fully switched from toxicology to bioacoustics. So, so, and after a few years as a consultant, I decided to go back to research. And that's why now I'm a postdoctoral research associate. So, uh, working with uh, NOAA Fisheries. Um, so as you see, I had a very uh, diverse background. <laughs> I didn't study master or PhD in acoustics, I did in toxicology, but I also gained experience in acoustic during my master and later through some contracts. Um, and then uh, 10 years later, now I'm just doing bioacoustics. Yeah, wow. And marine toxicology, do you want to kind of give a little bit of an explanation of what that entails? So yeah, um, marine toxicology, so I was studying the impact of um, several contaminants. So for example, the PCBs or the PBDs. Um, PBDs are the uh, flame retardants, so, mm -hmm. but now i um not allowed anymore. But so I was studying the impact of those contaminants so, on the uh, immune systems of marine mammals, notably the uh, seals, uh, because they are in the marine environment and we didn't know how they could affect uh, the uh, marine organism. Okay, so you're looking at how the seal's immune system is responding to these kind of new things in their environment. Yeah, exactly. And I was also studying the uh, lactational transfer between mm -hmm. the mother and the pup. So after the, um, uh, after the mother gave birth, I was uh, sampling the mother and the pup and a few days later again, and a few days later again. So just trying to figure uh, the amount of contaminants that the mother is going to transfer to a pup through the lactation. No? Oh, wow. And what did you find with that? Did you find that there was a transfer during lactation? Yes, definitely. So we had uh, we found transfer of um, PCB and PBDs because it was the two main um, uh, contaminants that I was looking for. And yeah, we were uh, studying those in the um, in the abseil. So yes, we found lactation transfer. Oh wow! And 
are contaminants common in marine systems? Uh, if they are, uh, yes, uh, you will find um, it depends of the um, population, seal population. Right. For example, uh, harbor seal who live near to cities who are, are going to be more contaminated than harbor seals living in more remote areas. Huh? Oh, that makes sense. So we saw that, for example, um, with, when we studied the uh, harbor seals from the um, uh, Quebec, um, from the St. Lawrence history versus the uh, harbor seals we catch in Newfoundland. So you could see that the uh, contamination was not the same. Um, oh yeah, totally. Um, and then I guess in the Arctic, is there enough contaminants that it's significant enough compared to other locations? Um, yeah, so for the Arctic, for example, I was studying the uh, mercury in the uh, Belo Gas, and you, mm. you have like a high amount of mercury in some populations. So yes, huh? yeah. Oh, wow. And so I was looking at a lot of your research and I saw that you kind of, you specialize in marine mammals and you, you do a lot with pinnipeds. So I was yeah. hoping that maybe you could kind of give an overview of what a pinniped is and who fits into that group and kind of like just a general basic overview of pinnipeds. Yeah, so sure. So pinnipeds um, are actually uh, the uh, marine mammals who, so in pinnipeds you have three groups. You have the, um, uh, the LS seal uh, that we call the uh, true seal. Uh, it means okay. it's all, uh, you have the heritage seals, but most of the time um, it's the fur seals and the um, sea lions. Um, and mm. you have also the rarities. Um, so it's the three group um, that you can okay. find in the uh, pinnipeds. Um. We're going to pause for one second. Okay, so I don't usually do this. I don't usually, like while I'm editing, decide I'm going to jump in and kind of overlay on top of people speaking and clarify things but I wanted to do it here because while Eloise and I were talking I totally misunderstood what she was saying and she was saying that there's eared seals and earless seals I was hearing haired and hairless that was like I don't know totally went over my head but just wanted to clarify um, that way I can cut out a few seconds of me kind of being stupid so just FYI it's eared and earless okay we'll jump right back in now so it's everything that encompasses kind of seals sea lions that kind of thing yes so so sea lions are here it's seal and most of the seals are actually earless seals oh the uh, true seals are fossil family yeah? so yeah, you have only one seal, but actually in the earid seals, it's the first seal. <laughs> okay, so if they're earless, how do they hear? Oh, they do. It's just like the uh, earless seals means that you don't have the, um, the um, external hair. Oh, okay, so it's just the internal portion of the ear is still there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you look at uh, some pictures online, you will see it. You will see only a hole uh, for the uh, less seal and oh, for yeah. the uh, lions you will see like a small hair going 
how it's <laughs> okay so, and it's it's prominent enough that if you were to see them in the wild would you kind of I mean, you saw a little ear structure you could say like okay that's a sea lion yeah 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 okay you would say so here at the sea lion oh okay yeah oh cool and so i guess do they hear like the earless seals do they hear just as well as the ones with that external ear portion? Yeah, uh, they have some, um, the hearing ability is a little different. For example, we know that um, the uh, earless seals have a better hearing both in air and underwater compared to the uh, earid seals. But it's oh, okay. not too different, but it's, just a little better. Hmm. Oh, okay, I see. And I'm assuming that you did some kind of like bioacoustics with them as well, right? Uh, I do only, I did only with the uh, ELS, uh, the fossil, okay. uh, the true seals, as I call it. The true seals. <laughs> as, yeah. <laughs> the real ones, the ones without ears. It's it just like the, the, other, the, other term, uh, the other name for those. Uh, so it's, we call them the true seals. Uh. The true seals. Okay. Um, and in terms of bioacoustics, what were you looking at in, for those earless seals? So um, I'm in mainly interested to define the um, underwater acoustic repertoire because I'm using the sounds to uh, study their um, distribution. So mm -hmm. I need to know exactly what kind of sounds they are producing. So I can say, okay, this sound is produced by these species. So it means that these species it's present at this time at this location. So it's a way to define the different um, seed population. Okay, that makes sense. And do they make lots of noise underwater seals? Uh, yes, and actually they mainly do uh, underwater sounds during the matting period. But we also know that they can produce sounds outside the matting period. So for example, um, the harbor seals, we know that they do sounds during the matting period and it has also been reported that they do sound uh, outside but only in some uh, geographic um, areas, specific geographic areas, huh? not everywhere. So it's also interesting to see the difference between population. Huh? Yeah, and is there, do you know why they're making different noises or making noises in different areas? Nope. Nope. Not for now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other thing it's uh, I, I can talk more about the Arctic seals because yeah, uh, the birded seals, uh, birded seals uh, in, for example, in Czech Sea, they produce several type of uh, sounds, uh, so including um, trills, ascent, and moans, uh, and okay. we know that. Uh, so we did um, um, a study on those uh, and we were looking at the different type of sounds and the um, when they happen during the year because we have some recordings for several months uh, actually several years at several locations so mm -hmm. we were trying to define the um, acoustic repertoire at, uh, in Czech um, and so we found that the um, that we call the um, AL1T and the AL2T, so it's two kind of trills are actually more frequent um, 
are more frequently produced during the mating period. So those two calls are probably some mating calls no? oh, that okay. the males are producing. You know? Maybe to advertise uh, their um, breeding mating conditions to mm -hmm. females or letting the other males know that this, this is their territory <laughs> and they right. don't want any other males coming. Yeah? <laughs> so, and the bearded uh, seals, are they quite large or are they, where are they in terms of the other seals? Yeah, they are large. Huh? Okay. Yeah. Because, so, yeah, I, I feel like bearded seals, I think I've looked into them before and they, they seem like on the larger scale in terms of seals. Yeah, if you compare it to a uh, harbor seal, it's definitely larger. Huh? Yeah. Sure, huh? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when, were you, when were you doing the research for that? Uh, so for this one, I was, um, so I went in the Shakshi uh, Sea to deploy and retrieve some um, hydrophones. The hydrophone is the, um, the instrument that we use to record sounds underwater. Right. So it's like a microphone, but it's, it's, uh, mm -hmm. it's designed to go underwater. And uh, so it was um, a joint project um, with some old companies, uh, we were studying some, um, doing, we were using passive acoustic monitoring to studying the uh, spaces in the areas, uh, in the area. And mm -hmm. we uh, collected data there for almost, I think, eight years now. And I used some of those data to specifically look at the uh, birded seal vocalization. So. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. And was there some kind of major conclusion that you came about with this research? Um, as I say, the um, AL1T and the AL2T was the uh, call type that we were increasing during the mating period. So suggesting okay. that uh, the males was advertised their breeding condition by producing both specific uh, longer trails. So. And that is it for episode 16. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. We will be back next week with another episode with Eloise and we'll talk more about her Arctic research and more about seals. It, there are some really exciting things coming next week. And like with all of my episodes, you can follow on Twitter and Instagram at Below the Tide Pod. And share these episodes with your friends. I'd love to see what you enjoyed the most. Shoot me a message on either of those platforms. I really like interacting with people who are listening and people who have questions. And don't forget to follow, like, subscribe, all of that on whichever platform you're listening on. And I will see you next week.